Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, lift your hands. Father, I'm asking your people to hear your voice today and not mine. Let your word shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated if possible. If not, stand up. I will be standing. Open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 41. No, excuse me, chapter 18, verse 41. 1 Kings chapter 18. Start at verse 41. I've been teaching for the last few weeks on faith in unstable times. Because really where you need your faith the most is when you're in some element of instability. A challenge. A, a ship that appears to be sinking. A, a moment when it, doesn't look like, when it doesn't look like what God said is actually happening. And so where we're going to pick up in the Bible is it's in the middle of a drought. And this drought was actually called upon by a man of God named Elijah. Everybody say Elijah. So he calls about this drought because this king uh, had had gone away from the things of God and had gone away from from, uh, the elements of God, in particular uh, the commandments that God had asked them to follow. And this king had set up society contrary to God instead of for God. And uh, right before where we're going to pick up is where the Bible says that that, uh, Elijah kind of had a a duel of sorts with the prophets of a false god or a demon named Baal or Balaam, depending on the definition that you read, uh, uh, depending on the translation that you read. And so what happened is, is he said, here's what we're going to do. He said, look, I said there was going to be a drought, and there's a drought. He said, and it'll rain when I tell it to rain. He said, but God says he's about to change the scenario, and rain's going to come. He said, but before we get there, he said, why don't we find out whose God is God? And so he says, here's what we'll do. He said, why don't you bring all the people of Israel and all the people of the surrounding areas? He said, let's line them up. He said, and let's build, let's build a, an altar, and, and I'll bring two bulls. He said, and you guys can pick, all you prophets of Baal, you guys can pick which bull you want to sacrifice. I want you to cut it up, put it on the altar. He said, but look, your God has to bring the fire. I don't know about you, but I want to serve a God that will bring the fire. I want to serve a God that when, when everything appears to be in pieces, he'll bring the fire. So he says, he goes, look, he said, you bring your guys. He said, I'll be here. He said, and, and matter of fact, you guys can go first. And this is actually where he said it. Matter of fact, it was 1 Kings 18 and 21 is what I was trying to remember. Where literally, if, if you want to just scroll up there, here's what he says. He makes this beautiful statement. He says, Elijah came to the people and says, How long will you be between two opinions? One translation says, How much longer are you going to be paralyzed by indecision? If the Lord is God, then follow him. 
But if Baal is God, then follow him. But stop trying to live in the world and the kingdom. You will frustrate yourself to no end and you will not have the full results of the kingdom and you will not enjoy the world. If you're not going to serve God, just go enjoy the world. Because you've got just, I mean, you got some time, maybe. No man knows the day nor the hour, but let's just say average is hit. You make it to 80, 90 years old, something like that. That's all you got left. <laughs> if you're going to serve, if you don't want to serve Jesus, if you don't want to follow Jesus, then live it up. Don't try to, you know, try not to hurt people along the way and all that and whatever, you know, societally you need to do. But understand, you have nothing when your heart stops beating. Who in here is a Christian? Just We're just getting started. We're, we're just getting started. When, 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 you, when you exhale your last breath, you will inhale the aromas of heaven on your next moment. There will be people there. There will be shouting and dancing. There will be angels everywhere. You'll be like, man, it is so bright. And you'll be going, what time is it? And you'll, you'll look and, and, you're, and, and you'll have no watch. And you'll be like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll see. Where's the sun? And you'll look 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 and you'll realize that the light is not radiating from a ball of gas in the sky. But the light of that glorious kingdom and beautiful place that we call heaven radiates from the Son of God Himself. And you'll look and nobody will be wearing a mask. There's no sickness. You don't have to defend against it. Puffs and Kleenex will be out of business in heaven. Because there's no tears in heaven. You'll be, you'll be walking. If you're on the street, you'll be walking on a street that was paved with what we consider one of the highest valued commodities on earth. And they just use it as pavement. Just rolled out. There'll be walls. And on these walls will be beautiful stones. You'll go down one street and you'll say, man, that house is beautiful. And you'll hear this voice say, it's yours. Well, how did you know what I wanted? Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And you'll be excited about the house, and you should be. But then you'll see the only scars in heaven are on him. And you'll try to get near him. And as you're getting closer and closer and closer, love that radiates like an atomic bomb will overwhelm the new body that you've been given. You'll see children hanging all over him talking about, this is King Jesus, this is him. 
this is King Jesus. This is him. And then you'll hear a voice that you recognize, and you'll turn around, and you'll say, I know you, but you don't look like you looked when I lost you. Because when you go to heaven, you'll know them as you know them. Your friends and your family, those who've gone before. Many people will walk up to you. They will say, thank you so much. And you'll say, for what? They say, well, didn't you tithe and offer at New Heights Church? So yeah, yeah, I guess I did. That was where I attended and faithfully tithed and offered. I got born again there. I tuned into a live stream and heard the gospel for the first time, gave my life to Jesus, and my whole family got saved. And it's because of people like you that partnered with the ministry that I'm here. Thank you. This is Billy. I told him about Jesus after I found out about Jesus at New Heights. And now Billy and his whole family's here. And then all of a sudden, it's going to sound like, like, like anybody ever watched golf on TV? Two people. <laughs> when I was a kid, I thought golf was boring. And, and now I realize it is like the ultimate nap TV show. Because <laughs> you can sleep for an hour and most of the time you'd miss a thing. <laughs> the Masters is an incredible golf tournament. There's four different majors a year. And there's not scoreboards at every hole, okay? So you have to understand, when you're watching the show, when you're watching the television show, you know the score constantly. You know where everybody stands. But the players, they don't necessarily know where everybody else is. They know where they are score-wise. Because golf is an individual sport where the person with the lowest cumulative score after four rounds wins the tournament. So they know where they are. They just don't know where everybody else is. Every now and then they'll come to a hole that has a scoreboard. But one of the telltale signs that somebody else is doing something good is when they hear a roar of noise a couple of holes over. Then they know. And sometimes it's a mind game for them. Like, oh, wow, did something good just happen? Did somebody just catch up with me? Am I now behind where I thought I was ahead? And they don't know. But they hear it from afar. That's going to be something like what happens whenever you're there. You're going to be walking on the street. You're going to hear this noise start to just raise up. It'll feel like it's from two or three streets over. And you'll realize it's not just, it's not just, just, just going and stopping. But it's almost like it's coming like a wave of sound. And then before you know it, somebody's going to come to you. And they're going to say, somebody else just gave their life to Jesus. And the entire place is just going to begin to shout with joy because all of heaven rejoices when one person repents because you can live your life and miss heaven think about that you could miss heaven somebody you love could miss heaven and though sharing Jesus with them is not a guarantee that they will accept him, sharing Jesus with them is a guarantee that they have the same opportunity that somebody gave you. All of heaven turns into an uproar 
When one person gives their life to Jesus. This is what the kingdom is like. So I stand with Elijah. If our God is God, then serve him. If you believe in something else, then go do it. But get off the fence. The scariest scripture in the Bible is if you are lukewarm, he will spit you out. He said, well, you know what? I just really feel like I need some, like somebody to like rekindle my fire. You know what the Apostle Paul said? Stir up the gift inside yourself. You got eyes. You got ears. You got access to a Bible. You know how many people on the planet don't have access to a Bible right now? Stir yourself up. He said, well, I just don't know. I don't know. I need my faith built up. I need, I need something. I need a Max Lucado book to come out. I love Max Lucado. But he didn't write the Bible. Faith comes by in hearing the word of God. I need, I need some faith in my life. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, just, I just really, I'm just, I'm just down and out and I'm all this other stuff. Well, maybe you just keep calling that stuff into your life. Because the Bible says you have what you say. What if when you felt down and out, you say, though I am weak, he is strong. Oh, I'm just going through it right now. I'm just, I mean, you don't understand. I'm just going through such a mess. I'm just going through such a, such a hard time. Oh, man. When the disciples said it like this, I count it all joy to be a partaker of the suffering of Christ. Christians backslide when they lose their backbone. Is this on? That's what happens. It's because we offered indecision as an option. It's because people with good intentions offered indecision as if it was an option. You don't get to rewrite the Bible. Just because you don't like the gifts of the Spirit. And it's not that people don't like all the gifts of the Spirit. There's usually like two of them they don't like. Yeah. You don't get to rewrite the Bible. Respectfully, who are you? So what happens, what happens is we presented these indecisions as options. And people live one foot in, one foot out their whole life. Instead of just going, you know what? I only have one life here. I only really have one life. I'm just going to go all the way. What if, what, if, what if today was the day where you just said, you know, that's it. I don't care if it's sin, the devil himself, or the fact that it rains on the just and unjust alike. Any hard time I run into, I refuse, absolutely, demonstratively refuse to complain because if I'm going through it he knows it if I'm going through it he somehow in his relevancy allowed it to happen and he would never allow something to get on me that I can't handle I'm not going to complain period I'm not going to complain about the time clock on the blessing and why it's late most people aren't ready to receive it is why it's late. 
So if you would spend more time getting ready to receive and less time questioning the timing, when it actually showed up, you realize it was not a finish line. It was actually a checkpoint that you were just going through so you could go from one glory to the next glory. But we treat glories like the finish line. When I get this, then I'll be happy. Boy, I'll be happy when this happens. When this happens, I'll be at peace. When this happens, I'll be good to go. And Paul said like this, I have abounded and I have abased and I have found a way to have peace in every situation. So I'm going to walk this thing out in front of every person that wants to watch. And I'm going to magnify God in the valley times and I'm going to magnify God on the mountaintop. What if you just decide today, that's it, I'm going to live by faith. See, faith is actually aggressive. One of the most challenging things you can do is believe God. One of the most challenging things you can do is believe God because all of hell wants you to stop. The world wants you to stop. You'll have good intending family members that will want you to stop. One of the most challenging things you can do is believe God. I'll never forget last weekend, we dedicated a lot of babies. Uh, One of them uh, was Eden Grace Rimmert. Jake and Teresa's little baby girl. I'll never forget when he called me. And they had just walked out of the doctor's office. And he told me, he said, the doctor said our baby's not going to make it. And I was fixing to start screaming. Because faith is aggressive. And I was taking in a a deep breath of air, and I was about to give Jake an earful. I was about to let him know where I stand with him and Teresa. And what the only thing we're going to accept is that perfect baby girl in her mother's arm at the right time of delivery. That's the only thing we're going to accept. So I'm taking in this big breath of air, getting ready to let loose. And all of a sudden, I hear him say, but I know that's not going to happen. What I know is going to happen is God's going to raise this baby up. Before she was formed, God knew her 100%. She's going to carry her full term. If there's a fight, then we're going to fight. But we know what's going to happen in the end of it. So I said, well, give me a chance, Jake. So I held my phone out here so I didn't blow his ear off. And I was yelling and fussing and whatever at the devil. And a week later, they said, they said, yep, same report is what's going to happen. I said, you, you call me every day, Jake. He called me and said, nothing's changed yet. Yeah. I said, has the report changed yet? That's how I ask. I don't ask, how's the report? Because I know the report that we're going to believe. Do you know how challenging it is to believe that when somebody who has spent 12 years of their life going and getting a medical degree to actually diagnose accurately what your wife and daughter are actually dealing with and stare them in the face and say, thank you, we want to be very wise in this scenario, but our God is going to make a way where there is no way. You got to shout like a lion even when you feel like a mouse. Because it's not you. It's the power of the name that was given to you to wield like a sword. 
Nine months later, they walked that perfect baby girl out of the hospital. And probably my favorite part of the story is they got to walk by the specialist clinic with the new baby where they were given all those bad reports on their way out and just wave. Here's our miracle, praise the Lord. Let me just say, all the doctors were completely wonderful and all pro-miracle. They wanted the exact same thing we want. I'm just trying to tell you, believing God is not tiptoeing through the tulips. Faith is believing what you can't see more than what you can see. Faith is believing what you can't see more than what you can see. Believing God is one of the, one of the most challenging things that a human can do. Especially if you, if you really want to really toe the line. Because if you start to stand out as one of His, then He's going to come after you. Like at what point, at what point do we decide that if there is a God and the God that there is says there is a devil, at what point do we actually start believing there is a devil that does bad things? Why is every time a tornado tears up a tree, they call it an act of God? When the Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air, you know why? Because we let somebody tell us what the Bible said instead of learning what the Bible said. Do you remember Jesus whenever he got on the boat and he said, we're going to the other side? He was going actually to a place called the Gadarenes where he was going to deliver a guy who had 6,000 demons on the inside of him. And he's on the way and in between there, a great tempest rose, a great storm rose. And he gets up off the, bottom, off the back of the boat and he walks over to the, to the bow and he says, peace be still. One translation says, he says, shut up storm. And the storm stopped. How many of you realize the devil will try to stop you from getting to a place where somebody else is about to be set free? But you can't, you can't. Nowadays, nowadays, here's how the news media would have said that. Local preacher goes on an ill-advised late night boat voyage. Into the mouth of a hurricane. But a low pressure front quickly swept in. And the hurricane ceased. Or they all would have died. Can't you hear the news now? Did you just see it? You, just because they said it, that's not, that doesn't mean that's how it happened. Because every news article is written by a person. Every person has an opinion. Here's one. Every textbook your child read was written by a person. And every person has an opinion. You got to realize you have an adversary. He's out to get you. But at the end of the day, he has no power over you if you know your position. And particularly if you know his position which is underneath your foot. So, Elijah is, is there and he says, if, if Baal is God, then serve him. But if Jehovah is God, get with it. And so, all the prophets of Baal, they cut up the bull, they put him on the altar, 
and they start in the morning calling fire from Baal. And around noon, there's still no fire. So now they're standing on top of the altar. Just, could you picture this? Of course you can picture it. Watch National Geographic. I don't mean that disrespectful. If it's not Jehovah God, it's not God. I've seen some stuff in my short 21 years of life. I've seen spiritual things that are holy, and I've seen spiritual things that are gravely wicked. Both are very real. So they're standing there, and they're all... Baal, bring the fire. <laughs> I can't even say without laughing. Afternoon gets there, and they start cutting themselves and bleeding all over the altar. Everything the enemy does is counterfeit to what our God would do. The book of Revelation says that Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. I think they had heard. I think the demons, the fallen angels, had heard that blood had some power. So they were cutting themselves. Sound familiar? Happens every day. Elijah starts popping off. He says, maybe he's asleep. You should yell louder. <laughs> one, one translation indicates that he might have said, maybe he's in the restroom. <laughs> How fun is that? So they finally get done. And then Elijah takes the bull and he takes, but before he does that, he lays the altar of God back in order. He takes 12 stones, one to represent every tribe of Israel. He takes the, the bull and he sacrifices the bull, cuts it up, puts the bull on the altar. And everybody's just sitting back. And he goes over and he calls some of the servants over and he says, Hey, go get me four barrels of water and pour it on the altar. And they're like, are you sure, boss? He's like, yeah. He's like, all right. So they take the four barrels over. They pour it on. He goes, do it one more time. Go get some more water. Pour it on. He said, one more again, boys. Goes, gets the four barrels, pours it on the altar. So much so, he had dug a trench around the altar, and it filled up with water. Now, there were 12 stones. Twelve is the number of government in the Bible. One stone for one stone for each tribe of Israel. There were four barrels. Do it three times. That's a barrel of water for every stone. That's a stone for every tribe. See, you have a rock of your salvation, and you have the water of the word. He says, now, great God who I serve, let these clowns see that you're the real God, the only God, and the fire of God rains down and 
lights the whole altar on fire. And the King James Version says it beautifully. says it licked up all the water. Did you know the word is enticing to the fire of God? The more of the water of the word you get in your life, the more of the fire you can expect. Then he turns around. He says, oh, by the way, king. Oh, he went and killed all the prophets also of Baal. Then he tells the king, he says, look. He said, I told you it wasn't going to rain. Now I'm telling you. You need to go get something to eat so that you don't pass out because the rain is coming. Verse, 20, verse 41. Elijah said unto Ahab, get up, eat and drink. There's a sound of abundance of rain. Somebody say abundance. abundance. Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and cast himself down on the earth and put his, put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked. And he said, there's nothing. He said, go again. Now look, King James says, go again seven times. In the original language, it's more like he told him to go again seven different times. It's not like he said, go look seven times. Who in here has ever played a sport before? Who in here has ever had to run any type of, of, of like laps or something like that? If they tell you to go and say you're playing basketball and you got to run from one end of the court to the other, if they say you got to run seven laps, you got to run here back and forth seven times, you already know the pace you got to take to make the seven times. But I had these crazy coaches and they would say, we're going to run every time I blow the whistle. And I was like, if you just told me how many times we were going to run, I could pace myself and I would know how fast I need to run on lap one so that I can still be running on lap seven. But my coaches didn't usually do that. It was get there and back as fast as you can. And if you don't get there fast enough, I'm add one. I'm like, what is fast enough? He goes, I'll tell you if you're not. So we would run, it was baseball, we would start at a, at, a, at, a, at a foul line and we would run to the outfield wall and we had to touch the outfield wall and we would come back. We'd have to touch the outfield wall and come back. And so he would go, you know, he'd blow the whistle and we'd go and we'd come back and we'd all catch our breath and he'd say, on the line, and we're like, oh my goodness gracious. We had no idea. We're going to do this five times or 25 times. No idea. I don't know if he knew. But I know for certain, God knows exactly how many times you're going to have to look again before you see a sign that's going to tell you that God's going to do what he said he would do. Your job is not to count the laps. Your job is to be obedient when he says go. He said, he said, go. He said, he said, go look. He said, he goes over the servant. He goes, man, I don't see anything. I said, I'd really like to tell the man of God that there is something going on, but I don't see anything. So he comes back and he's honest. If you're going to go through an unstable time, you got to still be honest. If you put yourself in that situation, don't blame it on the devil. Oh, I know that's really not a good shouting point, but if you did it, you did it. Be honest. God can work with honesty. What he cannot work with is deception. 
It goes against who he is, his nature. So he, he goes and he comes back to him the next time, or the first time. He says, go look again. He's like, all right, I'll go look again. He goes look again. He said, man, this is going to be great because I've seen Elijah do a bunch of stuff. It wasn't long ago he fed the woman. The, oh, there is no clowns. <laughs> Nothing, boss. Okay, go look again. Like, same place? You want me to go the same? You want me to go look again? And I, Elijah, we don't know if he said this, but we could kind of catch his attitude in the previous verses. It's possible he would have said, did you not see me just call fire from heaven? Go look. Fire from heaven. Maybe you specialize in fire, not water. I don't know. Nothing. Why is he looking down? He's looking down because Elijah had humbled himself in the sight of the Lord. He said, well, go again. And he does this seven times. He doesn't say, go look seven times. Because you would have gone like this. One, two, three, four. On the seventh time, he goes and he looks and he goes, wait a minute. Well, at least I got something to report. All right, boss. I did see a cloud. Elijah says, tell me more. He said, but it was like, King James says the size of a man's hand. The original language indicates the size of the palm of a man's hand. He said it was like, maybe like that big, like on the horizon. He said, well, Tell the king to get in his chariot and get out of here or he's not going to make it through this storm. And the servant's like, you heard me say like, he says, I heard you. On the seventh time, behold, there arose a little cloud out of the sea, verse 44, like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare your chariot and get chariot and get down that the rain doesn't stop you. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind. And there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance. When you're going through unstable times and you're looking for God to move, You have to commit to look again. When you come to a service and you walk out and you go, man, I'm so glad they got blessed, but I just really something, I don't know, I feel like I'm missing something. The game is not to sit back on the recliner and say, well, I gave God a chance. The game is to look again. And you look again until you see what God said. You look again until you see what God said. The next thing you got to do is you got to take some element of a step of faith. You got to pray a bold prayer. Good fathers don't make you beg. And our God is a good father. When you pray, you have the authority of the name of Jesus to call things that are not 
as though they were. You got to take a bold step of faith. You got to start thanking God that that prodigal son or daughter's coming home. You got to start. I'd wash that. I'd wash the sheets on that bed every week if I was you. I'd take a step of faith. If you got a kid acting some kind of crazy way, I'd be pouring oil in the bottom of their shoe. Talking about how beautiful the feet are of them that preach the gospel. My child may not know it, but they're going to be a gospel preaching individual. I'd have, I'd have oil in their chair at the dinner table. They'd have an oil stain in their pockets everywhere they sat at my house. Because I'd be taking some kind of a step of faith. Because I don't want to just ask God to move and me refuse to. I don't want to just ask God to do something and I'm going to sit. I want to take a step of faith. I don't want to be a hearer of the word only. I want to be a doer of the word. He said, he said, he said, a cloud? Really? How big was it? About as big as like, like the palm of your hand? Perfect. Tell the king he's going to drown if he doesn't get out of here. Excuse me? You heard me say like the size. See, faith in unstable time looks again until you see what God said. And faith in unstable times takes some type of a step of faith. Some of you, it could just be sowing a seed that you've never sowed before. It could be stepping out in faith to say, God, I'm believing you at your word that you're going to do what you said you were going to do. And here's my step of faith that verifies that I believe what I said. Lastly, you have to run your race. The Bible says that he grabbed the end of his, of his coat or garment and he just took off running. You have to run your race. Come here, I'll stand to our feet. I'm just going to make this one last point that we'll dismiss. There are many different types of races. There are sprints. There are long distance. Nowadays, they have these crazy things called Spartan races. Believe it or not, people pay money to go and crawl under barbed wire. In mud. I've seen some of them where there's fire shooting over the top of them. True story. Climb up these walls. Swim across. Swim across different bodies of water. Walls you got to get over and your whole team has to get over. So they'll stack six, seven people high and build a human ladder to get people over it. It's a race. My understanding about these races is you don't know what the elements are going to be until you get there. Because everybody has some leeway on how they're going to design theirs. And they all want to make theirs harder, you know. So you got to decide you're going to run your race regardless of what obstacle comes in front of you. If you're going to keep your faith in unstable times, you have to take what would make you quit off the table. You have to decide, I'm going to run my race. 
If there's an obstacle, I'm going to run my race. If I get knocked back down, I'm going to run my race. If I, got, if I get knocked back, I'm going to run my race. If I run into a situation that I wasn't expecting, I'm going to run my race. If somebody that I'm running next to trips me, I'm going to run my race. If the enemy himself grabs me by the leg, I'm going to run my race. If God himself says he's got something for me, but I can't see it, and I've looked seven different times, I'm still going to run my race. you got to decide that you're going to run your race race because sooner than later the Bible says you'll reap and most people just want to stop there but that's not what the Bible says the Bible says you reap if you don't quit you reap if you faint not you reap if you don't quit in other words can I say it differently You only lose if you quit. I like to say it like this when I'm praying or I'm just speaking in faith. You couldn't beat me if you had to. I'm blood-bought. I'm born again. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Though He slay me, yet will I serve Him. For me to live is Christ, but for me to die is gain. You couldn't beat me if you had to. The only way you could beat me is I'd have to quit. And I chose a long time ago. There's nowhere else I can go that's like Jesus. So you got to run your race. One of the first things they teach you in track and field is you can't pay attention to everybody around you while you're running your race. That means if it looks like somebody got there before you, you refuse to get jealous, only inspired. Because the same God that did it for them, come on somebody, he'll do it for you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.